today on Ag News Daily. And I think sometimes we get so preoccupied with all of that future uncertainty and we forget like the beauty of this industry we work in. You know, we've got the landscape, we've got the open Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's a wonderful Friday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. And Delaney, I don't know if it's just, you know, the world of agriculture, but things are moving kind of slow today in in terms of news and just life in general. I feel like it's been kind of lagging today. I'd agree with Yash, and I think it's uh, mostly, you know, we're heading into Thanksgiving. People are probably feeling a little bit like they want to relax, hang at home with family and friends and whatnot. So, yeah, I'd say things are kind of starting to shut down pre-Thanksgiving here. Well, with how fast things have been moving this year, I'm pretty excited for it to slow down for just a little bit. But one thing that I want to bring to the attention of our listeners in the Texas and Oklahoma panhandles is some expected rain and actually some thunderstorms supposed to be rolling in this weekend. And as we've discussed before, I really love rain. So I'm pretty excited about that and excited for our farmers who are plant. I don't think that planting wheat is still going on, but I know that some folks have reported some emergence of wheat. And so hopefully that rain gives them a little bit of a drink. Yeah, that would be good. That would be the uh, hope, I suppose, is you guys will get a little bit of rain down there. But I think, you know, especially folks in winter wheat country, they could use some rain as well. Absolutely, Delaney. But kicking things off here to talk some news for today, one of the stories that I found really interesting was the increase in insect protein in both animals and in human nutrition. And specifically, I am one to discuss the black soldier fly. I don't know if you ever heard of this, Delaney, but... Mm -mm. I, I think it's so, so interesting. I haven't delved too far into this research, but a French human and animal nutrition company plans to break ground on a new U.S. insect protein plant next year. Innova Feed announced that they will co-locate with partner ADM in Decatur, Illinois, and the plant is expected to have an annual production capacity of 60,000 metric tons of animal feed protein derived from that black soldier fly that I was talking about, which Innova Feed says has exceptional nutritional qualities. ADM's Decatur corn processing plant will provide feedstocks and waste heat to the Innova feed facility. And the plant will also have the capability to produce 20,000 metric tons every year of oils for poultry and swine rations and 400,000 metric tons of fertilizer. And they anticipate producing a million tons of insect protein by 2027. And I, I don't know if it's just because we are advancing so much in technology and trying to find more sustainable solutions to not only feed our human population, but to, you know, of course, feed those animal proteins that we're needing to to feed the human population, that they're using insect proteins in feed. And I, I just find it so fascinating. Yeah, I am glad you brought this story up. I saw this as well. I didn't realize when I first read the headlines, though, that they were producing 
insect protein for animal production. And when I first read the headline, I was like, oh, I guess we're going to start eating insects. But no, you're right. This is for animal feed. It's not for human consumption. Um, but interesting to see that, yeah, you're right. Uh, animals are also seeing some more, I guess, if you want to call them sustainable options or just we'll call them third party options as opposed to kind of the norm corn and soybean uh, rotations. Yeah. And I thought it was, I guess, kind of funny that they're using this as a protein option because I mean, they're, they're just little insects from my understanding, the black soldier fly larva are actually what's being used as feed. So how they incorporate that, I would really love to know. So listeners, if you are involved in using insect proteins or know anything about that, please let me know on social media. I'd love to learn more about this. Yeah, definitely an interesting one. That's for sure, Ashton. But I have a follow up on from yesterday's story with the Tyson Foods lawsuit. We saw following the podcast yesterday, Tyson Foods has put out an official statement on their company's website saying that their team members actions are not aligned with the company's core values. They said, quote, we're extremely upset about the accusations involving some of the leadership at our Waterloo plant. Tyson Foods is a family company with 139,000 team members, and these allegations do not represent who we are or our core values and team behaviors. We expect every team member at Tyson Foods to operate with the utmost integrity and care in everything we do. We have suspended without pay the individuals allegedly involved and have now retained the law firm Covington and Burling LLP to conduct an independent investigation led by former attorney general Eric Holder. If these claims are confirmed, we'll take all measures necessary to root out and remove this disturbing behavior from our company. So sounds like their top priority, they said, is health and safety of their team members, and they will be continuing to uh, conduct their own private investigations, it sounds, as well as the ongoing, of course, lawsuit going on as well. And speaking of lawsuits, Ashton, I have another piece of news here connected actually to the swine industry, uh, but this time a Smithfield case. A federal appeals court upheld a nuisance verdict but threw out a multi-million dollar jury award of punitive damages against Murphy Brown in North Carolina. This case has been going on since 2018 when a jury awarded each of the 10 plaintiffs involved $75,000 in compensation and $5 million in punitive damages. It sounds like now uh, they have resolved these cases through a settlement and they will be taken into accounts uh, individual accounts, but yeah, so uh, an appeals court has upheld that decision against uh, the company itself, and so they will have to follow through with paying out this financial compensation as of yet. I, th I think this might be the last step. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's probably other courts that they could appeal this to, but we'll continue to watch that case. You know, Delaney, I also read an article dealing with that, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up. But I have a, another news story dealing with the courts. It's like a, a little court date that we have here on, on this Friday. I don't think we've ever talked about so many court cases on the podcast in one day. But the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit has denied a request to reevaluate the registration of Enlist Duo. The appeal came after a panel of three judges ruled earlier this summer in July that the herbicide did not violate federal law. 
and environmental groups led by the Natural Resources Defense Council and Center for Food Safety argued that the herbicide posed a risk to endangered species and the environment. The judges, however, did order the EPA to reevaluate Enlistua's impact on monarch butterflies, but left the registration intact and the herbicide on the market. So they are going to have to reevaluate that impact on those monarch butterflies, but for nothing else. So you should still be able to see Enlistua on the shelves. All right. And switching tracks here to talk back about the animal industry, Ashton, German pork could remain shut out of some of the world's top markets, including China's, for at least a year because of their African swine fever outbreak. China and other Asian buyers have slapped bans on supplies from Germany, and those are going to be maintained here for about the next 12 months, it sounds like. So as of November, we've seen about 150 infected boars across the country of Germany. And while the country can still trade within the EU, there have been quite a few restrictions placed, including uh, China placing a big one here with the announcement of potentially a year-long um, year long restriction. Wow, Delaney, I'm certainly glad that you brought that up because I did not see that today. And of course, African swine fever has been something that we've been talking about as it it's kind of died down. I feel like I haven't seen very many stories about it, you know, going through the EU. But is China a major exporter to to German pork? Vice uh, Germany is a big exporter to China for pork. And so now... China will not be buying from Germany, meaning they've got to go somewhere else for their pork needs. Gotcha. Gotcha. I worded that a little bit wrong there, but thank you for that, Delaney. But as I said, it's kind of a slower news day for me, so I am all out of news. I am as well, other than talking markets, Ashton. And there's one other thing I wanted to mention before we head into chatting markets, and that's really the movement we've seen in today's markets. I know some farmers I was watching on social media were a little upset because soybeans uh, traded, I think, as much as 12 or 16 cents higher heading into today's opening session. We didn't see quite those moves continue as we closed. Again, still higher on the day, but we did see... Uh, soybean, future, soybean futures hit a new six-year high on Friday. So, again, you know, I think the question remains here is why does uh, why did the intraday trading keep seeing big volatility, but then we don't we we haven't been able to follow through and and see those really high closes. So we'll talk about that on Monday with our next Market Monday interview. But until then, Ashton, let's talk about where markets ended for today. And starting off here in the December corn contract, up three quarters of cent to close at 423 and a quarter. The March up a penny to close at 428 and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look in the soybean pits, as I mentioned, they had some really big moves during some intraday trading, but couldn't quite follows through. The January contract added three and a half cents to close at 11.81 even. The March up five and three quarters to close at 11.81 and a quarter. In the Chicago wheat pits, the December contract added a penny and a half to close at 5.93 and a quarter. The March up up three quarters of a cent to close at 5.99 and a half. In the livestock pits, 
They had some mixed trade on the day as the December live cattle shed 15 cents to close at 108.10, February up 12.5 to close at 110.65. Feeder cattle lower on the day as the January contract shed 95 cents to close at 134.60, the March down 57.5 cents to close at 134.37. And in lean hogs, December sparked higher today, 42.5 cents to close at 64.12, the February up 230 to close at 6535 and rounding out our markets with the dairy class 3 milk futures November up 3 cents to close at 2315 December up 42 to close at 1601 Ashton without further ado let's kick it off to our second part of talking mental health from this year's NEFB virtual convention John I want to I want to switch over to you Uh, You know, what Jeff is saying is uh, another issue that we need to address, and that is the resources in rural communities, people that understand what we're going through. And I want to ask you, from your opinion, you know, here we are, this is driving me batty that I can't go out and see my farm audience, that I can't be out, all the events that I so love and that got me into this job canceled. Are we in a worse situation regarding mental health now on the farm because of all this isolation that is basically forced on us. And to Jeff's point, you don't resonate as well, even via virtual worlds. Are we in a worse situation, a worse predicament now in handling our mental health than even before the pandemic? Yeah, Pam, I think that's so true. I mean, and I've seen Jeff, I've seen Jeff and have have people come up to him, farmers and other people in the community come up and in Jeff's case, hug him, lots of conversations. Uh, my, my, in my own case, you know, tears have flowed during meetings. And what's really, what's really difficult now, or let me say that in non-COVID times, when you have those people who come up and they've got the tears in their eyes, we oftentimes struggle with like, what do I do with that? That's why people like avoid those really tough, tough moments. And you don't really have to do anything with it. You you need to be there. In some cases, it is, you know, giving a person a hug or a pat on the back and just listening to them. When we talk about communications breaking down, you know, communications, what is it? We're, we've got one mouth and two ears for a reason. A lot of communications when we talk about stress and mental health is simply just listening, reflecting back, showing people that like, yeah, you know, it's got to be really difficult. You don't have to have the right things to say at all times. It's being there. And just to go back to your question, yeah, being there physically right now is really difficult. Um, So I do think that it is an extra challenge. I think the more personalized you can get it, whether it's FaceTime or Zoom, that certainly is better than just telephone. And telephone is better than just email because you can communicate better that way. But yeah, I'm I'm certainly hoping like everybody else, this, this vaccine and the whole deal can't, it can't end quick enough for me. And I, I really do miss being out there. And, and I know that a lot of our farmers will continue to need support. Let's talk a little bit on the resources that have been pulled together. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted you on here, John. We've got farm broadcasters from Minnesota, from Illinois. There has been a real collection of uh, resources that have been channeled together. And I want to commend all of the partners that recognize you can't go it alone. Talk to me a little bit about the collective effort that we have seen unify during the pandemic. 
Yeah. So, Pam, thanks. And I just want to um, kind of circle back. Remember that circle, that vicious circle, the chronic stress that we find ourselves in. And, and the resources we've put together is really about helping people throttle back. Remember, I talked about the fuel, the cortisol, the adrenaline. It's about throttling back that fuel. And when I first started doing a lot of work in this area back in 2016, I was thinking, OK, what kind of analogy can I use with my farmers that I'm working with? And um, I was actually on a Facebook chat one day with Max Armstrong, of all people. And there was a guy who jumped into the chat and he happened to be one of the gentlemen who had sold my dad his old John Deere 40, uh, four, 630. Sorry, my dad also had a 4020. And so I ended up getting a picture of his 4020. So I thought about the, the throttle on the tractor. And when you think about these hormones that are coursing through our body in times of stress, it's just like, where the heck is that throttle? When I was a little kid, I understood the gas pedal in the pickup truck, but I didn't understand the throttle. So the question then is like, where is the throttle? Where are the throttles? And a lot of our work is about how you throttle back um, that that really potentially horrible stress response. Um, I'm not going to go through this whole slide other than to say that when you talk about stress, having some sense of control is like really, really important. Um and I think, Pam, you've probably done this, Jeff, all of us at times when we get really like we feel out of control, we might sit down on a Sunday afternoon and make a list. Um, what I suggest is that farmers and families, you do it the, as a family, that you sit down once a week and you bring the family together and you farm, you farm your time. You know, we talk about farming our land, farming our animals. We farm our time, you know, so think about like what's what are one or two really important things coming up in this next week we want to focus on. Maybe it is about the kids. Maybe it's ho the homeschooling situation. Maybe it's, um, you know, thinking about your 2021 operating loan. But what's that focus going to be? What are the actions to get ourselves started? What kinds of resources do we need? On Monday morning when we get out of bed, who do we need to call or send a text message to? How How will we measure it? One of the things when we talk about decision making, it's it's not like I can drive down to the the rip farm down here. I live in Cross Plains. So I, if I if I go out and combine 40 acres in the day, I can look at the field and see that it's been combined. But when you're doing planning and things that involve a lot of mental activity, sometimes it's hard to know that you've made progress. So how will I measure it? I've also in my thing farmed. If I farmed it, I've also involved everybody. Um, who needs to be involved. And that includes, Jeff mentioned this, that includes your kids. That includes members of the family. And it also sometimes is helpful to set a deadline. Um, I'm a guy, when my wife asks me, okay, when are you going to get that project done? A lot of times I push back. But if we don't have deadlines, sometimes we don't get things done. So, so that simple act of planning can really, really make a difference to help you in the short term kind of regain that sense of control. And that helps to break that cycle. Let me just whip through a, a couple of other things here. Um, I've got this picture of this, you know, this chopper and tractor, you know, $750,000 worth of equipment out in the field. We would never dream of going out in planting season or silage making season with all this equipment and then not put fuel in it or worse yet, we put crappy grade, low quality fuel in it. And yet that's exactly what we do to our bodies. So during these times of COVID and then during the busy times of spring harvest, you know, summer, whether you're making hay, milk and cows, whatever you're doing, uh, making sure that you're eating regularly, eating breakfast is really important, getting enough intake of fluid. It doesn't mean like I can speak 
for, I can speak for myself. I don't want to speak for you and Jeff. I don't eat perfectly, but I do know when I don't eat well, you know, we're talking about balance, kind of, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, lean protein, the good dairy products from here in Wisconsin. Um, when I get in a hurry, you know, this is like from the, from the shelf at Quick Trip, I'm out traveling. This is my food aisle. Um, if I'm really lucky, I might stop and grab some cheese curds or something, which is probably better than this. But the candy bars and stuff, you know, once in a while, not a big deal. So minimizing the sugar, eating that balance, fueling the machine is really critical. Communication is also critical. When I talked about, you know, the role of your farm broadcasters, the role of other people who may be listening, um, communication is that two-way street, being able to talk about your feelings, being okay crying, uh, listening to people, actively listening, being present is really crucial. And this is something we've really tried to focus on in extension. Here's another thing I did for one of our big dairy groups in the state a couple of months back. And it, the title of my presentation was about slowing the world down. And I think sometimes we get so preoccupied with all of that future uncertainty and we forget like the beauty of this industry we work in. You know, we've got the landscape, we've got the open, you know, we're free out on, on, on the land and in our, in our buildings and on the tractor. So sometimes not, not just dwelling on those things that are missing in the future or the uncertainty, but thinking about, you know, the beauty that our ancestors have left us, the, the family, you know, the farm family is still such an important part of what we do in agriculture. Um, people need to make this their own. I'm not suggesting everybody go out and buy yoga pants and start meditating, but spending some time um, jotting things down, jotting ideas down from time to time. Some people do. And Jeff does this. I see him reflecting all the time on social media. Uh, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world is Robin Kinney from the American Farm Bureau Federation. Every morning she posts this kind of like reflective gratitude piece. And we know that with stress management, this stuff really does make a difference. It changes our minds. And that is really necessary. Prayer. A lot of people find comfort in prayer or in church, whether that's in person or online. Sitting under a tree, um, sitting in a tree stand here in the month of November. I talk to farmers. It's like the most peaceful, stress-free time I have is deer hunting season. So how can you find a way to kind of recreate that peace on a regular basis, going for a walk, writing a letter to somebody, but you need to find something that works for you. These practices we know really do make a difference. I think I'm going to, I'm going to stop sharing here in just a second to say we do have a lot of resources in extension at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, we have a website. If you search farm stress and Wisconsin or resilient farms, families, businesses and communities, you can get to our website. But we've kind of clustered around these ideas of wellness, well-being, stress management, communications, relationships. And also, I'll, I'll add one other thing, financial management. That's a big part of it that we try to focus on and uh, would welcome the opportunity to chat with any of your of your listeners or viewers. Well, and that's one thing that I hope this conversation leads to our follow-up conversations. Uh, and again, I surely hope that our farm broadcasters, my other colleagues, will uh, check in on Jeff as well as John via social media or otherwise. Uh, just a quick wrap-up, uh, maybe your parting words, fellas. Uh, there's one thing here in Wisconsin that 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 very much drives me nuts, and I'm a product of it, and that is that so many people identify with the farm. The farm and myself are, we are the same. 
And I worry about that, especially in light of not just COVID, but we have economic challenges, no doubt. And I, is there a way or can you give us some sense of direction on how with when we're dealing with that farm is my identity? If that identity goes away, if I am the one that loses it after multi-generations, trying to separate maybe something to that effect as a motor, you know, as a parting conversation, or I'll uh, toss it open to Jeff. How about uh, some wrap up thoughts for our folks? Because this is not something that's going away. We'll make it. Please get a vaccine. I want us all to be in person next November. But the issues we're talking about today are not going away. No, they're they're not. Pam. And I'm going to let John maybe uh, your your more deep question. Let him answer that. Sorry, John, to throw you under the bus. No, that's okay. Um, but one of the things that I do, and I just want to throw this out there quick. When you know John talks about how I do a lot of self reflection and that and that kind of stuff. But one of the things that I do that I started a long time ago, and originally was with text messaging, but now I do it with Snapchat. Is I used to send out 20 Snapchats a day. To random friends and just something, you know, like, hey, have a good day. Or, you know, now I, I find an inspirational saying and, and you know, and send that out. And when I was doing that, um, I was getting a 55 to 65% response rate of almost the same thing. I needed to hear that. Now I have 140 people that require me to do it every single day. And I still do it to my, I still do it to 20. 20 random people and I'm getting almost an 80% response rate right now. Oh, I needed to hear that. Or I knew someone, or I know someone who needs to hear that or, or the number of screen shares that I see in, in screenshots and stuff like that. And and we can be too positive too. There's a, there's a, there's a thing out there called toxic positivity. You know, it doesn't always have to be sunshines and rainbows. We can tell people it's okay to have a bad day. We can tell people that, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And it's just, what is it, Pam? It's just a bad day. It's not a bad life. And, and remind them that there, there are people out there that will listen to them. And listening is important. Our society has been trained, I think, too much to listen to respond. And we just need to listen to listen. And if they identify with the farm, you know, I'm looking at it with, with the guy that I farm with. You know, there's talk about possibly because of his age and stuff. In a year or two, we might not be doing that anymore. You know, we actually started down here when people were losing the farms here a couple of years ago. We started building those skills for those farmers. We started bringing them in and teaching them how to fill out a resume teach them how to, to, to do a cover letter, do that kind of stuff. So we can bridge that gap. We can bridge that gap and tell them that just because they're fifth generation or sixth generation, I don't care if it's second generation, it's not their fault. It's circumstances behind it. And and, and that, I, I think, definitely helps. But my biggest thing, folks, that the one thing I want you to take on this whole thing is that reach out to people. The biggest thing you can do is communicate. And I agree with John. Don't just do it by text message. Don't just do it by Snapchat. Reach out to your core group and then, you know, let's throw a pebble in the water and let that water ripple and reach out to those people outside of that ripple and just say, hey, I was thinking about you, wondering how you're doing. You know, put a mask on and go to your neighbors if they'll let you come on the farm for crying out loud. But we have to communicate. We have to ask. We have to have some of these hard conversations because honestly, folks, the hard conversations in life are much better in the hard conversations at a funeral. Yeah, I can try to tackle the other question, but I want to just, um, Jeff and I run in a lot of the same circles on, particularly I'm thinking on Facebook, right, Jeff? Like, I'm not a big Snapchat guy. I'm too old for that. But but every day, like, I'll, I'll be, we've got a mutual friend, for example, up in Rice Lake or up in Barron County, and, like, I, I'll see something from her, and the, the next 
comment above mine will be from Jeff Ditzenberger. So Jeff, you're 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 a role model in doing that. I mentioned um, Robin Kinney at Farm Bureau, but Jeff is another one of those guys that I think a lot of us could really learn a lot from. Pam, just to your question, and you know, I don't want to sugarcoat this. I I used to get in trouble when I worked in Minnesota if I was talking about helping people who needed to transition out. I did a lot of work with uh, farmers with disabilities who may in fact not be able to continue to farm anymore because of severe disability or health problem. But I've also worked with farmers who have had to find their way out for financial reasons. You know, one of the things I think is really crucial and helpful is to do everything within your power to stay together as a couple. These can be really difficult. If, if, assuming you're a couple, assuming you have a, a life partner or whatever, um, oftentimes these things are can be things that are very divisive. Um, there's lots of help out there. Most of our states have like uh, ways of getting support, whether it's marital counseling or other forms of help. I think always reaching out and getting that help from your banker, your attorney, your accountant. Don't try to tackle this by yourself. It's too big of a thing. Here's the other thing that I would always tell farmers with with disabilities. Sit down, make a list of what are the top 10 things you love about being on the farm. And very rarely is it, you know, having to go out at two in the morning and pull a calf or it's usually, you know, it's the freedom it's it's about, you know, being out on the landscape. It's about being in nature, being able to work outside, being able to be your own boss and just realize there there are there are opportunities to do that kind of thing. And yet. So you've got this list of 10 things you really want to hang on to. There's ways to meet those needs. Um, and and I'll just I'll just end my little uh, tirade here. So my dad retired uh, kind of at the top of the world uh, in 2008. So he retired from being a farmer. It was a good time for him to have his machinery sale and get out. But my dad's now 82. He In the springtime, he's working 50, 60 hours a week. He's dr- driving a fertilizer truck and hauling anhydrous ammonia. He'll, he may see this video. I don't know. He complains every year about having to go out and renew his CDL and doing the testing and all that kind of stuff. But it's like he's farming. He's out meeting with people. He's he's on the road. He's doing the stuff he loves to do. He's with farmers. So he's able to fulfill a lot of those things. He's making a little bit of money. He doesn't have any of the risk that he had back when he was farming. So so it's not the end of the world when it happens, but you do need the resources and you need to be thoughtful about it. I hope that helps. Yes, it did. I sure appreciate you guys. I mean, this is the kinds of conversation that we have Uh, the three of us uh, from time to time. But uh, like I said, when I was asked to uh, moderate this panel and try to bring some meaningful content to farm broadcasters that are struggling just like farmers, I thought these two would do a wonderful job and they definitely didn't disappoint. Thank you again, Jeff Ditzenberger from uh, his organization, Tugs, John Schutzke, who is uh, one of our university extension uh, resources extraordinaire. I want to thank them for being along with us. Thank you for being here. And uh, don't forget the... the professional improvement session was brought to you by SIPCAM Agro. Uh, I truly appreciate being able to do this with you, for you, but you know, the farm babe misses you all tremendously.
Again, it's been so exciting this week to be a part of the NAFB 2020 virtual convention. And we will be featuring more of those sessions here in the future on the Ag News Daily podcast. So be sure to keep your ears out and listen for those podcasts, which we will feature on our website at agnewsdaily.com. And we'll be talking more about what's going on in the world of agriculture, which you can keep up with us on social media at Ag News Daily. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.